go. Welcome back, my friends, to the Flicks of the Week that never end. We're so glad you could attend. Come aside, come aside. Andrew Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. All right. Uh, this week, my flick of the... my flick, This week, my flick... What the fuck is going on? My flick this week is going to be the Netflix original series, Everything Sucks. Monkey Bone. That's <laughs> all I have to say. Fuck you, man. You say you don't like Chris Kattan. I don't. Just continue on. Okay. All right. So, uh, and then, uh, you know, got a little Kevin Smith news and uh, my little rant about Walking Dead. And that's, I think that's it, unless you got something else. I have nothing. All right. So, take it away, Johnny. Mm hmm. All right. So, yes, let's get into it. A coming of age story set in the night. Everything Sucks is about. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. That's how you usually start off <laughs> a, a, a whole topic. Well, I was going to, like, I was going to do, like, the ominous intro, you know, description, and then you kind of, you know, that's all right. So, <laughs> Everything Sucks is a coming-of-age story set in the 1990s that revolves around the AV and drama clubs at, at a boring Oregon high school. The two crews of outsiders join forces to make a movie and endure the purgatory that is high school. I give you Everything Sucks. Luke, settle this. Settle what? That ridiculous song. Rain on your wedding day? It's ironic because they chose... That day to get married. What kind of fairy tale world it's does Alanis Morissette live in? Canada. Guys, we're high school now. We gotta find our people. Butter my bungle. We might as well start with something we actually know, right? That's AV Club. I bet once they see one of our movies, the ladies will come flocking. I promise you, there isn't a single female behind those doors. You're out of focus. I know. I'm trying to fix that. Easy there, Romeo. That's Mr. Messner's daughter, the principal. Have a great rest of your day. Proceed with caution. At this age, it's like we speak different languages. The bomb? All that and a bag of chips? Oh, snap. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to ask out Kate. I might actually have a chance with this girl. How are you going to do it? Will you go out with me? I'm raising Luke on my own. I didn't realize you're a single mother, single father. Wow. Stop staring now. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I bet you never got in trouble when you were a kid. Is there anything you wish you did? Ken? I can see your car. We went out a few times. I can hear you! <laughs> the average high school relationship lasts for 26 days. I like you. You like the idea of me. It's over. That's it. Fine. For the first time in 10 years, I feel happy. And I'm ready to fight for my happiness. I think you're perfect. Takes a second. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Oh, and there. God, I love the net. (laughs) I just have to say that that song, Do You Have to Let It Linger? Yeah. I can't stand it. 
because all it is is her bitching about some guy that said that said something to her. Yeah, and he keeps bringing it up, but the whole goddamn song is her just consistently saying, "Do you have to let it linger?" And the song just lingers on. Right? It, exactly. Yeah. Let it go, lady. You know what's funny about you bringing up the, uh, hating a song because you actually got into the meaning of it is that watching this show, there is an episode where um, there's a character that um, w- w- um, I believe it's the principal, and he's um, he's going through the situation where he's trying to you know date the the mom of one of the kids, right? right. That you saw in the trailer, and he's having dating problems with her because of you know issues on the show, and. So he starts to focus on this song that I fucking hate, and I used to like it until I started paying attention to the lyrics. And it's um, "Breakfast at Tiffany's." Mm-hmm. Oh I, yeah, I used to like the song, and then never liked it. So, and then one day, I uh, working at the dealership, right? I'm, I'm I'm washing cars, and when when your mind starts wandering when you're washing cars, sometimes you start paying attention to the music that's playing on the speakers. Mm-hmm. So I started listening to the lyrics of "Breakfast at Tiffany's," and the entire fucking song is about a guy whose wife or, or girlfriend left him, and he's so desperate to get back, her to come back to him that he's trying to think of anything at all possible that they have in common just so that they have an excuse to stay together. And finally he realizes that out of everything else that they have nothing in common, the only thing that links them together is the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's, and that is fucking it. And when I hear that song and I hear him singing that, I think what a pathetic fucking loser the guy is. I can't stand that song. I can't stand any of these, those songs similar yeah. to Breakfast at Tiffany's, yeah. these emo, wannabe, yeah. one-hit wonder rock songs. Yeah. can't stand them. Uh, they're awful. The song used to be catchy, and it's got a style to it that I used to like, but I don't, I don't care for it anymore. So anyway, yeah, that song, it's just funny that you brought that up, you know, meanings of a song, because that right. song fucking annoys the shit out of me. So um, anyway... Yeah, you know what was funny about that trailer for Everything Sucks is when it starts off, it just feels like it's going to be another Freaks and Geeks ripoff, rip right? Or you know, or or it tries to rely too much on '90s nostalgia or time period nostalgia, you know, to connect it to it, you know, like say how like the Goldbergs does, right? Because mm-hmm. that's the theme of every episode. This one though, um, if you notice though, as the trailer evolves. So does the character development as well, right. and it gets better. And that—that's the show. I've seen the trailer before. I—I yeah. I can't. I don't know where. I, I maybe on Netflix yeah. or, but I, I have I have seen it. So yeah, the main kid Luke, um, in uh, in this you know town of called literally called Boring, uh, Oregon, which is is there's a real town called Boring, and uh, nineteen ninety six of course, and uh, Luke. He is played by Jahi uh, Diallo Winston, who we remember him from Proud Mary. Right. and uh, Good actor. Yeah. And then the other main character is Kate, who's played by Peyton Kennedy. And uh, she's got issues with um, figuring out who she is um, at first. And he's got a huge crush on her. He, They're both in the AV club. You know, she holds the camera. He does a lot of directing and stuff like that. And um, I think they're both freshmen. And yeah, her father is the principal of the school, and uh, his mother, Luke's mom, um, who's also a single parent, she is um, a stewardess, so she's out of town a lot. And they, um, when Luke goes into the the garage and stuff like that, when everyone's gone, he's got this uh, box full of videotapes, and on the videotapes is his father, um, who uh, I guess he ran out on them when he was like seven years old, and he ran out because he wanted to become an actor in Hollywood, and so. 
um, he keeps watching footage of his dad trying to act and stuff like that. And, you know, he's trying to get that connection. But, you know, anyway. Right. The show is really good because it has like a, um, it has, yeah, if I had to like combine two shows together, I would combine Freaks and Geeks and My So-Called Life. But instead of, like, I, I don't know about you, I don't know about anyone else, but I remember when I used to watch My So-Called Life, even though it wasn't on for very long, it was always very down. It was always very depressing and sad because it was showing the, the downside of, of what some kids have to go through, you know, suicidal thoughts and being gay, coming out, and other things like that. And so this one has those same elements, but instead of it being all gloomy and shit and depressive um, or depressing, instead it's more, there's a lot of hopefulness to it and there's fun to it because, you know, you got these characters that, you know, they don't, they're not, they don't, their faces aren't buried in fucking cell phones all day. <coughs> you know? As you say, you say that as I pick mine up. <laughs> yeah. And they're interacting with each other. And, and so it's just, it's only 10 episodes. I, I blew through the whole first season on Sunday when I was putting the, you know, when I told you about the bed that I was putting together. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I put the bed together after we finished watching the whole first season because it only took like, was it 10 episodes, uh, 21 minutes per episode. So yeah, it, it, it's like watching almost like a four hour movie or if that. So, um, yeah. So it just, you have the, the relationship problems that go on, and um, I, I was able to predict a lot of shit. And I knew that certain things would happen, like, you know, like someone's trying to cover up their sexuality by dating someone of the opposite sex so no one knows that they're gay kind of thing, and, and then someone being heartbroken. You know, I, 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 I could see it. You know, a lot of the show is very predictable. But even though most of the show is predictable, the characters are really good. The principal, um, who was played by uh, Patch uh, Dara, 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 I don't know how the fuck you pronounce his name. Spell it. Uh, D-A-R-R-A-G-H. Yeah, Patch Dara, Derek. <laughs> I don't know. Derach. Anyway, um, he's really good because he's like this, um, he's this guy who's, um, his you know, wife committed suicide. And, you know, he's, he hasn't dated since his wife did that. And he's very... Uh, uh, what's the word? He's very naive. You know, I don't want to say naive, but he's very timid. You know, very shy, and he hasn't. He never came out of his shell, kind of thing. And so when he ends up going out with um, Luke's mom, uh, her character's name is Sherry. They, um, she like like gets him to do things he's never done before, like as you see in the trailer, him the toilet papering a house, right, and things like that. Yeah, she's know? making him come out of his shell. Yeah, and it, it works really well with each other, and um, you know. Um, and there's other cool, you know, things that w- with the character interaction. Like you have, um, I didn't write them down, but there's um, characters from the drama club who end up clashing with the AV club because of certain circumstances that happen. And um, the two main characters are these, like, you know, these, you know, like the most popular boy and girl in school, and they're they're over dramatic, and you know, uh, they're always starting shit with other people. And um, anyway, they all get together and they start making uh, a movie together. And they even um, there's even an episode dedicated to them going to L.A. just to film by the rocks that that you know they film Star Trek at you know where uh, where Kirk fights fights the Gorn, you know, and things <laughs> right, like that. Okay. Yeah, so in that, that same area and stuff and and yeah, so the movie that they end up making is pretty freaking cool. It's stupid but cool at the same time. And and yeah, it's just and it's all like I said, it's all it's all predictable shit. But it's it's a fun time while you're you're. You're going through the motions, and you, I, I like all the characters. Um, you know, and, and some of them, I mean, can be a little cliche, but uh, what do you expect, man? The show's purposely set in the '90s, so you know, you got it. Like where um, you know Luke's character makes a you know this video trying to go out on a date with um, with uh, with Kate, 
and and he he reenacted all the events from the um, the ironic video from Alanis Morissette where he, you know, he's playing all different versions of Alanis Morissette and, mm-hmm. and cute things like that and or he's doing like uh, smells like Teen Spirit and all the safe shit from that time period right, right. all the pop stuff and uh, anyway uh, I really like the show it's one of those shows where when you just want to go to the next episode oh. You know, like, because I... Dude, it moves along pretty quick. Oh, fuck yeah, it does. And and, and it, the funny part was that I was like, okay, after the fourth episode, I'm going to go start working on the bed, right? No, just one more. Oh, just one more. Yeah. And the next thing you know, the whole fucking, the whole season's over with. And now, okay, oh, it's like, oh, now I got to go and put the fucking bed together. <laughs> Shit. All right. The same thing happened to me with um, the new season of Ash versus Evil Dead. Uh-huh. Like, I was watching it, and then it was over. I'm like, what happened? Hmm. You're caught up on season two of Stand versus Evil too, right? Yeah, Stand against Stand against Evil. Yeah, yeah. all right. Um, so yeah, yeah, and then um, I'll probably pretty soon. I don't know if I'm going to do it next week or not, but I do want to talk about Black Mirror because um, that is a really good show and it's very entertaining. Sure. So, all right. So that's uh, I think that's all I got, man. I I I, I don't think it's got a 68 percent approval rating. And the complaints about the show are pretty much the same complaints I just made about it being predictable and very Yeah, it's what you have when it comes to these types of TV shows. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, it's charming, and it's still good to watch, and I can't wait for season two to come out. So, anyway, take it away. Johnny. Monkey Bone is about Stu Miley, played by Brendan Fraser, who is a cartoonist who has created a monkey character named Monkey Bone. And... That character has taken off in popularity, making Stu a minor celebrity to the point where now he's taking meetings and he doesn't want to do all this stuff. And Stu is set to launch a TV series based on Monkey Bone and marry his beautiful fiancée, Julie, played by Bridget Fonda, when he's injured in a freak car accident. So Stu finds himself in an incredible fantasy world known as Downtown. To return to reality, Stu has to outwit death herself played by Whoopi Goldberg. But one of the cartoon's own creations, Monkey Bone, has come to life and is maniacally intent on destroying Stu, destroying yeah, Stu's plans to resume his life. I thought I said that wrong. <laughs> Anyways, here we go. Take this, chumps. Show me the monkey! Take that monkey! Stu Miley is the creator. The man behind the monkey. Monkey Bone is his creation. I love your way. Oh. Stu was about to have it all until it all came crashing down. From the director of The Nightmare Before Christmas. Hello? Am I dead? the story of a man whose imagination <laughs> brought a monkey to life. This is living. Hey! Get your fat butt out of my face. And a monkey. <laughs> We've got big plans for that body of yours. Who wanted a life of his own. Still? Whoa, baby! If it screams, if it swings, it's got to be drinks for everybody. Monkey Bone, 20 
20th Century Fox presents Brendan Fraser, Bridget Fonda. The woman I love is living with a little monkey that looks like me. Lucky girl. Monkey bone. Sorry, kitty. We'll be right back after I choke my monkey. You know what is funny to me about this movie? No. <coughs> is that that trailer? It, it it sounded like straight to video, like narration, mm-hmm. right? And like on a touchstone video or some shit, right? And. It's odd because this came out in 2001 and Brendan Fraser was like the biggest fucking star in the world at that time because he was, he was, you know, that's the same year that The Mummy Returns came out and that was a huge hit, even though I had shitty CG. But you know what I mean? He was a huge star at the time. And so this movie was a fucking just a, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right, so do you think? So it's based on Kaja Blakely's or Blackley's graphic novel called Dark Town. We'll get into that in a minute. It stars uh, Brendan Fraser, Bridget Fonda, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose McGowan, Dave Foley, Giancarlo Esposito, Megan Mullally, Lisa Zane, Chris Kattan, John Turturro, and an uncredited Thomas Hayden Church who plays Death's right hand man. Who's kind of it's kind of weird. Um, the whole plot is Stu is a disillusioned cartoonist whose comic strip features a rascal monkey named Monkey Bone. Uh, Stu is in love with a sleep institute worker named Dr. Julie McElroy who helped him deal with his terrible nightmares by changing his drawing hand. So one night, Stu crashes his car after accidentally driving, or I'm sorry, activating an inflatable monkey bone raft, causing him to fall into a coma. It's all kind of, you know, herky-jerky. The parts where Brendan Fraser aren't acting like a nut, he isn't acting like a complete fucking loon, is really funny. Like, he's just, he's, he's... Completely pulled in, reserved. Like Brendan Fraser could be a really good actor. He was on when he was on Scrubs, yeah. And he was he he was playing a he was playing the the brother of um um what's her name um God she's married to Bill Lawrence um she was on the Drew Carey show. I don't want to get her name wrong. Like it's Christine Miller or whatever her name is, right? Yeah. And um she was also in uh, uh, Cougar Town. But she's she's married to Bill Lawrence, the creator of Scrubs. Uh-huh. And, but she played Drew Carey's friend in in um, Drew the Drew Carey show. Yeah, she was like the love interest too for a while, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I used to have like a little TV <laughs> show crush on her. Oh yeah, she was hot. She kind of still is. Anyways, so I completely lost my fucking train of thought on this one. Right off the rails, Mike. Uh, um, Brendan Fraser's acting and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so in Scrubs. And so he plays her, he plays her brother, and he ends up dying. He has leukemia, right? Mm-hmm. But the, but it's like a two or three episode arc where he's really fucking good, yeah. You know, and it's and it's emotionally compelling to watch this show, yeah. Or that, in fact, Scrubs is just a good show, anyways. It was up until like season eight, but that that's that simple three episode arc or two episode arc really showed a lot. And so in this movie, he's not a fucking nut. He's you know he's he's reserved. He's he's pulled in, and that character that he's playing, Stu Miley, um, before anything else happens, is actually really good. It's well done, and it's he's not annoying. Yeah. And I'm not a Brendan Fraser fan. You know that. I'm not a Chris Kattan fan. And a fan, and I'll get into Chris Kattan in a minute. So. 
he goes into limbo or purgatory, and his whole situation is to try to get out, but Monkey Bone is trying to keep him from doing that, and Monkey Bone is his little creation, and, and it's like an animatronic puppet, right? Yeah. Uh, at least in, in Dreamtown or whatever it is, stop downtown. Mo- stop motion. Yeah, kind of like stop motion. Yeah. And then you, you meet uh, Rose McGowan, who plays Miss Kitty, who's kind of like a waitress at this bar in downtown. But what's great about this whole extra sequence if you want to call it that, this whole subplot of him trying to get out of there. Yeah. So limbo, downtown is like purgatory limbo, right, type of thing, is all of, all of fucking, it's, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, Henry Selleck. Well, didn't they say it was, it's directed by, um, the guy who the directed, the guy that created A Nightmare Before Christmas well, or whatever? It, well, it's the guy who directed it, because the guy who directed it also directed Coraline, um, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, even mm-hmm. though it was... Creepy. Even though it was all Tim Burton's creations and stuff like that, and he executive produced it, it was this guy that, that Yeah, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they said created, directed by the creator of A Nightmare Before Christmas and not the director. But, and, and look, we're we're uh, cutting hairs on this one. Um, the guy that directed it is <clears throat> Charles Henry Selleck, and he's amazing. He really is an amazing director. Um, he worked at Disney... And as an animator trainee on films like Pete Dragons and The Small One, he became a full-fledged animator under Glenn Keane on The Fox and the Hound. Um, during his time, he met and worked with Tim Burton, Rick Heinrichs, Jorgen Klubian, Brad Bird, John Musker, Dan Haskett, Sue and Bill Croyer. Um, and he's, he's primarily an animator. Okay, So his background in animation, hand animation, 2D animation, allowed him to create and become this really awesome stop-motion animator. Yeah. He really is great at it. And all of the, these, these, these characters in downtown, this, this secondary plot where Brendan Fraser's character really is, this Stu Miley, as he's trying to deal with getting to Monkey Bone, is amazing. Um, when you go into the bar, uh, the bar is just a normal like like it's like is, downtown is like Casablanca. Oh. That's exactly what it is, right? And then you go from one place to the other, right? And in this in this bar, they have Monkey Bone is like the the lead entertainer in this bar, and then you have Rose McGowan who plays Miss Kitty, who is she she's kind of a love interest, but not really a love interest. Uh-huh. And she likes him, and goddamn, she was just dressed to the nines in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then you have other little quirky things like um, um, bumper cars. Yeah, like you could sit in the bumper cars and drink, or you know, it was kind of like a waiting game type of thing. I don't know really what the bumper cars were for, but you could drive around and eat and drink in them. Shenanigans, shenanigans, <laughs> which is a great idea for a bar, really. If you want to think about it. I think that would start a lot of fights. Maybe, but if you had a race, you could have it set up so the bar is up above it, and yeah. then you race the bumper cars. I mean, that's a great I mean, idea. That's a good way to promote drunk, drunk driving. I yeah. mean, well, you wouldn't be able to do that because it's actually illegal. Even in bumper cars? Even in bumper cars. You can't do it. You cannot. I there's I yeah. What you, about those no. big, gigantic plastic balls that you can be inside? Uh, well, to be drunk in public. That would be cool. Like, well, if you had it in like a, like a big giant warehouse or something, and <coughs> you could have drunk as fuck people in them, and then you could, and they gotta be clear so you can see inside. You can see them barfing in them and everything. No, <laughs> no, you you can clean that shit up. 
Well, I, I don't. Uh, yeah. Uh, see, no. Bumper they're, cars. They're the even ones better. making money off of it. So, anyways, when when you have this whole subplot going on of him trying to sneak his way out of out of purgatory, yeah, he he tries to he, he tries to mess with death, right? Who's played by Whoopi Goldberg, and she kind of sees right through this whole thing. But she's a big fan of Stu Miley's work. <laughs> So she actually helps him because Monkey Bone has escaped, right? Yeah. And she didn't want him to escape. So Monkey Bone ends up escaping, and and Death helps Stu go back. What the problem is is that the person he's going back into is a dead Olympic gymnast, right? <laughs> and it's Chris Catan, yeah. who broke his neck while doing some sort of Olympic event. And they're literally taking his organs out of him, right? Uh. And he pops awake. As they're removing like a fucking kidney or whatever, you know, yeah. and then he has to bandage himself up, and, and he's he's got a broken neck, so he's walking with his head sideways and just kind of floppy and always falling back. Yeah, I don't like Chris Catan. I've never liked Chris Catan. He's 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 a joke thief. He's a douchebag. He's he's a he's a bandwagoner asshole. There's all these stories about Chris Catan and how he's a fucking backstabbing dick. And he'll do anything for for fame, but in this movie, God damn it, he was funny, mm-hmm. and it killed me because I was watching the movie and I was like, as the credits are going by, I'm like, at the beginning, like, motherfucking Chris Catan's in this movie. It's <laughs> like, I, all right, I'm committed, I'm committed. Yeah. And so he plays this Olympic gymnast, and he's got to get his, he's, he's got to fix his head. So it doesn't flop away all the time. And the first thing that I thought of as he's running out of the hospital is, why didn't he just get a neck brace? <laughs> he's in the fucking hospital. So it goes on. He ties a scarf around him and you know to keep his head from kind of lolling. Yeah. And then he gets he gets home. You know, it's actually Stu Miley's home. And then and here's the other part. This this fucking this this really bugged me too, which is as he's looking for the a key that's hidden under his mat. You see water pour out from one of the houses, like someone's watering the, the roses. Yeah. And turns and looks, and guess who it is? It's fucking Harry Knowles. <laughs> Goddamn sellout douche. And You mean rapist douche. That too. Raping sellout fucking douche. And o- allegedly. And he <laughs> God damn it is he ugly. Yeah. Like like generally People can just change themselves and fix themselves, and yeah. no, he's just eternally ugly. You just you can't fix that. Like that like ugly. like the dude from Raiders of the Lost Ark that's in the drinking match with yeah. Marion. That dude's ugly. Oh yeah, right? like, like he's always gonna be ugly. like he looked like that as a he looks like the Lich. Like if the Lich baby got big, what if the Lich baby grew up? That's what, what Lich the, baby from Adventure Time? Lich baby with the little horn? No, he doesn't. With tree no, trunks. no, not even close. I think it's a so. fucking fat dude. I mean it. It doesn't look any the the no, lich baby is all fucking just skinny and gross. No, not no no that's not the right lich. The lich baby's fat. Can't remember his name. <laughs> no, doesn't no. That's just like I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, but no, like his body shape and like his I just and his teeth. I just picture I picture the, the guy drinking at the bar. Or yeah. drinking and doing the drinking game. So, anyways, uh, no, it's not. No, <laughs> no, no, no. But I'll tell you one thing. What? There's a person 
there's a person that lives here in Sacramento that looks just like that guy. Huh. And they live in Citrus Heights. Cool. Because I was walking through work one day when I worked out there. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, the dude that drank with Marion is in is in Walmart. And I pointed him out to somebody that I work with. Yeah. And, and they fucking almost lost their shit. So anyways, ugly. I'll drink you <laughs> under the table. So Chris Catan is, is tr- he's getting into the house. And as he as he gets into the house, he has to fix his neck. So he takes a T square type of thing, a ruler with a you know, and wraps wraps fucking duct tape around his head. Yeah, you know, and then off he goes. Right, and he's got to save he's got to save his girlfriend from making a mistake and marrying Monkey Bone and all this other stuff. And he's got to get his body back. Right. Yeah. And it turns into this big ass fight between the two of them. I mean, there's obvious green screen stuff going on, and there are some. I mean, the movie's not good, but there are moments in the movie that are good. Like I think that the entire underworld sequence, the dune, the downtown the sequence, the, the purgatory stuff, is fucking great. Right. Like they have a guy. Um, I'm gonna look him up here. They have a, a monkey bone goat guy. Monkey bone. Um, uh, what do they call those? Uh, uh, Sater. Oh yeah, like a Mr. Tumnus. Yeah, but I don't know exactly. God, she's hot. Who? Rose McGowan, man. Hell yeah, she is. Look at her. Jim Cotta. <laughs> uh, uh, um, I, 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 Why don't you look up the cast and just see who plays them? Because I don't know who plays them. There's Chris Catan right there. So yeah, and ultimately he ends up saving the day. I don't care about not giving it away. I mean, there's just some stupid parts where like Monkey Bone, like nobody realizes that he's completely different. His attitude is completely different. Yeah, you know, and and everything he does is it may have been John Turturro. John Turturro does the voice of Monkey Bone. Oh, Doug Jones, of course, is in there. Oh, uh, Arturo Gill. Uh, Arturo Gill, Monkey Bone. Oh, okay. He plays <laughs> a mouse. <laughs> that really doesn't help me. No, it's him, Giancarlo es- Esposito. Yeah, it's Gus. Gus Fring. Yeah, from uh, Better Call Saul, Gustavo. He plays like a satyr. Do you know I always, always remember uh, Giancarlo from? No. He's the you just you just stepped on my Jordans from uh, uh, Do the Right Thing. Okay. He was wearing the white Jordan. Oh, fuck you, man. You don't watch the movie. All right. I've seen it. I've seen it multiple times. I was forced to watch it in one of my fucking uh, classes. Yeah. I had a class. To as a side note, I had a class. Where I had to, you know, we had to break down images of of poems and stuff like that. It was a advanced writing class, if you want to call it that. I don't know what you want to. Yeah. I, it's an advanced snobbery class <laughs> where where the teacher felt that he was so intelligent and above and beyond everybody else that everything that he said was taken as gospel. Yeah. And that all the, the and it was primarily a lot of women in that class. <laughs> so and then if in and when it came to women, every especially if they were hot, like they were absolutely one hundred percent right. Yeah. But if he didn't like you, it didn't matter. You know. Yeah. And, and I always have this one thing in my head where um, there was a it was a poem and as as it was being read, it was um, columns like legs. You know. Uh, Leg like columns, right? 
something or something, something or other. And I had to write what I saw and I said, and this is what I basically said was, you know, maybe it was a statue of something, leg like it's columns and stuff like that. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it, it was a column. Could be whatever. He's like, oh yeah, that's whatever. And then somebody else has said, yeah, it's like a, it's like a fucking, it's some 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 girl, some hot chick, right? And and it was this, it was this, it was always the same hot chick that every time she said something, he would always agree with her. Didn't matter what it was, like yeah. he was totally, it was like totally fa- total favoritism. Yeah. And and she's like, well, that's not how I read it. And this is what I say. And blah 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 blah. And she's like, hey, you know, like a column from from ancient Roman times and. You know, I mean, she was intelligent. I'm not saying that she was stupid, but she she had an intelligent response. I'm like, that's not how it reads. That is not how it reads. I said, I, this is how it reads. Read it. Legs. It says legs. Columns like legs. So it could be, the interpretation is left up to anybody. So, you know, telling me that I'm wrong just means that you're fucking, you're an uppity cunt. You're obtuse. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I, but I said. But what I said to him was telling me that I'm wrong about the way I envision something is basically telling me that I, I my creativity is wrong. Yeah. That just be and, and that everything that you say is right. I mean, we got into there. Were, I was got into it with him a couple of times, and then he made us watch Do the Right Thing, and then he was like, "This is the greatest film of all time." Blah blah blah. Black against white. Blah blah blah. I'm like, really. No, look, it's look, not. It's an important film. I, I think it's an important film because of the statements that it makes and the, and the discussions that it can bring up. But don't say it's the greatest film of all time because it's not. You know what? To this day, and I try to understand that film from every perspective I can, but the one scene that pisses me off in that movie more than any other scene is near the end when um, Spike Lee's character, I think it's Mookie, um, picks up the garbage can and throws it through Danny Aiello's window. Of his pizza joint, and it felt like it, that scene. I always, I've seen do the right thing at least ten times in my life, and that fucking just make, infuriates me because he, out of this sense of loyalty to his community because of a racial incident, you know, he's going to damage the property of his fucking boss because his boss got angry and called called a, a patron a nigger. Okay. It just, it, God damn, it just fucking it make every time. And well, the, and it's the lead up after that. It's after after he does that, and he after he throws the fucking the garbage can through, and then and then the you know then then the place gets all fucked up. The next day, he shows up to get his check. Okay. And Danielle's really, you're really fucking here. You want your money after what you did? Yeah, pay me my fucking money. What the fuck? Fuck you. You know. I, anyway, just. It always makes me mad. It always pisses me off every t- every fucking time. I know some people will be like, "Why aren't you pissed off when the cops choked fucking Radio Raheem to death or something?" Well, sorry, he, he annoyed the fuck out of me by playing that fucking "Fight the Power" song the whole goddamn movie. I don't care, Monkey Bone, Giancarlo Esposito. <laughs> Anyways, he plays the satyr in it, and it, and it's really cool because the way that it's done. I don't know how they did it with the green screen, but the way that it's done is uh, he has like like a tiny little body. Yeah. And he's got these little goat legs, and you know the human, and then the human head, and whatever else. He looks like fucking uh, Jason Alexander's satyr from uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Sure, and that was one of the characters that I really liked. Whoopi Goldberg was actually pretty good in this movie. Dave Foley was really good in this movie. Mm. Um, everything about Downtown, in my opinion, was the best part of the movie. Everything about everything beyond that, it was boring. Bridget Fonda felt boring. Yeah. 
Uh, Brendan Fraser's character as Monkey Bone when he's Brendan Fraser Monkey Bone live guy was fucking stupid. You know, it's him just, you know, it's Dave Foley. Dave Foley's always good in pretty much everything he does. It's Dave Foley playing this snake oil salesman, right, his, who's his agent. And they're just selling Monkey Bone everywhere to everyone now when, when Monkey Bone is inhabiting Dave, Brendan Fraser's body, Stu. We'll call him Monkey Stu, right? And <laughs> and regular Stu, who is still in, in, in the afterworld or downtown, all of that stuff was fantastic. Like I said, I can't get enough of it because of the animated stuff, you know, the um the stop motion, um the way that they had the different designs of these the and most of them are from Brendan Fraser's nightmares. Like if you watch the movie and he has all these nightmares about minotaurs and whatever else and then he draws them and then they're flipping through the book, all of these things that are downtown are from Brendan Fraser's nightmares that he is in his yeah. dream book. Yeah. And and that's that's another thing that's really cool about it is that they've kept it consistent. But here's the thing. When you have one good part and then the rest of it is not good part, yeah. fuck it. It's stupid. It's 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 a complete waste it, of time. It's it's an absolute complete waste of time. Anyways, Darktown is a comic book by Canadian cartoonist Kaja Blackley. Um it was illustrated by Vanessa Chong and published by Mad Monkey Press. <laughs> it's definitely got a style to it. And a man uh, Jacques de Bergerac is in a coma after being in a car accident. He finds himself in Darktown, where the land is dominated by strange living, breathing puppets and marionettes with button eyes. The lords of Darktown are trying to kill Jacques and use his body in the real world as a vessel for an agent of Darktown. There's only one problem, Jacques' imagination. He carries it with him always in a red suitcase. He, it protects him from the horrors of dark, Darktown. Meanwhile, in the real world, Jacques' wife decides to take him off life support. Jacques now only has... Uh, Jacques only has 12 hours to live. Back in Darktown, Jacques encounters Death, who informs him of his time limit and tells him how to escape. The book ends on a cliffhanger as Jacques is captured by a knight after wandering onto a chessboard. <laughs> Completely different than, than Monkey Bone. Yeah, they took an idea and then they completely just... Destroyed it. Yeah. Although the, it does have Rose McGowan in it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, she's... um. Or a graphic novel. Um, I'm showing Joe some of the Darktown um, images. And here's one right here. And here's another one. It's definitely got a, a weird style to it. That's not it. Yeah, that's definitely not it. Yeah, that is. Um, that's not it. <laughs> this is a, Here's another good one, Lagoon. Um, this, Darktown is something that I would read because it sounds interesting. And after watching Monkey Bone and seeing what they did with Monkey Bone, it would make me more interested to learn about about where 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 the information came from. You know how they where they came up with this Monkey Bone thing, as opposed to just going with Darktown. So um, the the movie was written by a guy named Sam Ham, who doesn't do much anymore. Sam Ham wasn't he uh, involved with uh, Tim Burton's Batman? Yes. Yeah, Sam Hamm is a guy that helped. Well, he produced it. Um, he doesn't do much anymore. Last thing he did was Masters of Horror. Um, he wrote the uh, Tim Burton's Batman and a story for Batman Returns. As a result of his work, he was invited to write for Detective Comics. He did Batman Blind Justice. Um, 
which introduced Henry Ducard, who later appeared in Batman Begins. Um, he also wrote uh, Never Cry Wolf, Monkey Bone, Planet of the Apes, and Watchmen that were unused, and Mantis, and Masters of Horror, which I had already mentioned. Other than that, nothing else. And my guess is that Sam Hamm is, obviously, my guess is that Sam Hamm has, is working at, under another alter ego mm-hmm. because, yeah, because there's another guy named Warren Skarn, Skarn, whatever, however you fucking say his name. So Sam and Warren um, seem to uh, work together. But uh, Warren died in 1990 from cancer. Um, he primarily wrote um, Fire with Fire, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Beetlejuice, and Batman. So there you go, which is too bad. But Sam Hamm, like, I'm, and I wonder, hmm, oh, he's from Charlottesville. I, what if Sam Hamm and Warren Scarron were related, you know? I have no idea. Well, he was born in 55, and he was born in 46, so that's almost nine years. Um, anyways, uh, I, I, I don't, um, I don't know why he doesn't do any movies anymore other than I'm thinking that maybe he does. It's just that we don't know what, who he's writing under, whatever, whatever pseudonym he's writing under. But what it comes down to it is, you know, um, Monkey Bone is one of those movies you have to really want to watch. And in the end, it's a two out of 10. Three out of ten. Yeah. Total for a movie. So the animation kept it from being a zero. Yeah, the animation kept it from being... It's a... Yeah, pretty much. All right. Fuck you once again, Brendan Fraser. Yep. (laughs) Thanks a lot for nothing, dick. Dickhead. All right. Okay, so uh, lastly, uh, Kevin Smith, man. Just want to give a little shout out that, you know, in case he is listening. If he's a secret fan... you know, about him having a massive heart attack. Where uh, was it? Uh, his LAD uh, artery was uh, 100% clogged. Yeah, it's the main artery that runs over the heart. Yeah. Well, over the heart. Over the heart, yeah. It's You have multiple arteries, but you have a main one that runs from the top to the bottom, and it's on the outside of the heart. Yeah. So, yeah, and apparently um, because he was able to get to the hospital as quickly as he did, um, he's gonna, they say he's going to make a full recovery. So Yeah, um what happened? There is a specific. He's a now a vegetarian after heart attack. No, he's not. Um, yeah, he uh, survived what's called a widowmaker heart attack. Um, I don't care about returning home. He's not going to stay vegetarian. He's lost all this weight. Doesn't surprise me. Um, this is what I wanted. Come on. So Smith uh, performed a stand-up show. Um, on Sunday and was due to perform again, but canceled. After the first show this evening, I had a massive heart attack. Doctor saved my life, told me I 100, had 100% blockage of my LAD artery, a.k.a. the Widowmaker. If I hadn't canceled show two to go to the hospital, I would have died, but for now I'm still above ground. Um, fans were quick to respond, blah, 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 blah. Um, there were specifics he was talking about. Um, yeah, it was in Glendale. Uh I was trying to do a killer stand-up special this evening, but I might have gone too far. After the first show, I felt nauseous. I threw up a little bit, but it didn't seem to help. Then I started sweating buckets, and my chest felt heavy. It turns out I had a massive heart attack, had 100% blockage, blah, blah, blah. Um, what I learned about myself during this crisis, death was always the thing I was most terrified in life. 
When the time came, I never imagined I'd be able to die with dignity. I assumed I'd die screaming like my dad. But even as they, who also died of a heart attack, by the way, even as they, even as they cut into my groin to slip a stint into the lethal widowmaker, I was filled with a sense of calm. I've had a great life, loved by my parents who raised me to become the individual I am. Weird, wonderful career in all sorts of media, amazing friends, the best wife in the world, and an incredible daughter. But I st- as I stared into the infinite, I realized I was relatively content. Yes, I'd miss my life as it moved on without me, and I was bummed we weren't going to get to make Jay and Silent Bob before I shuffled, off, shuffled loose the mortal coil. But generally speaking, I was okay with the end, if this was going to be it. I've gotten to do so many cool things, and I've had so many adventures. How could I be shitty about finally paying the tab? But the good folks at Glendale Hospital had other plans and the expertise to mend me. Um, this is all part of my mythology now, and I'm sure I'll be facing some lifestyle changes. Maybe it's time to go vegan. But the point of this post is to tell you that I faced my greatest fear tonight, and it wasn't as bad as I've always imagined it to be. I don't want my life to end, but if it ends, I can't complain. It was such a gift. Of course. You're always fucking humble, man. The Kevin Smith. F- fucking one picture that they show. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's absolutely humble. Um, home again, home again, jiggity jig. We were just talking about that. <laughs> um, vegetarian, Kev. Yeah, you're not going to be that vegetarian for long, buddy. I can guarantee you. Your body your body needs the uh, the other supplements. Um, moderation, buddy. Yeah, so anyways. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, uh, I, I sent a tweet out to him. You know, said, uh, you know, glad to hear that. Uh, you know, for him and his family, that you know he's he's going to be okay. Golf clap. Yeah. So good for him. Um, other thing is uh, Walking Dead. The um, you know the season that uh, was season eight. Uh, I'm just going to let you go with this. I'm not going to get involved. No. You can do your thing. Okay. Um, look, I know that to make to to have a show like this to keep it successful is to to change things up and and to do un, you know the unexpected but when you do something that just say it when you do, when you kill, it's, just, okay, it's a spoiler okay. podcast just let it go no i i, I know I, I, i'm but i'm speaking in general but when you kill off a main character who in the comic book has been set up to be the one who survives ahead of every above everybody else because if you go back to the comic book, even as of now, Rick has always, they've always made it look like Rick is setting up Carl, his son, to be the um, the one who inherits the earth after everything's Coral. done. You know, you know, he's going to learn from all of this and he is, you know, and then Rick is going to probably eventually die too. But Carl will be the survivor, okay? Whatever, who else is able to make it with him? But Carl will be the one telling the story after it's all said and done. And for them to kill off Chandler Riggs, who plays Carl on the show, was fucking weak. Now, his whole his whole death scene, really fucking good. Tears in my eyes, fucking really well done. Good job. But completely, totally unfucking necessary. They should not have done it. And where do you go from here? The show's already going on a downward slide. Even I'm not impressed with it anymore. Okay, and I look. By used to be my favorite show. I used to make a lot of excuses here and there for little problems that it had. But now, after doing what they just did with Carl, with with uh, you know Chandler Riggs, you can't. You fucked up. You fucked up big time, AMC, and you can suck it because there's you can't make up for this. You can't. I I don't know how the fuck they can make up for it. The show's gotten 
more boring. They've stretched out storylines for way too long. Are you still? I mean, are you talking about just the Carl thing? I'm talking about Walking Dead in general. But yeah, the, the, but I mean, like the Carl thing happened halfway through last season, halfway through this season, well, right? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It happened on the the mid season finale. That's what I mean. Which was like at the end of December or in December. Okay, so halfway through. But it was just him being bit. Okay, there was you know speculation. Oh well, you know there's still a way out of it and all this shit, right? Well, they confirmed, because on the episode that just happened a couple days ago, that, yeah, he dies, and he's gone. He's not coming back. So um, it it just, you, there's certain characters you don't fuck with, and you don't fuck with Carl. And But why? Devil's advocate. I, well, I just why? told you. Because he is the one that's been groomed the, in this entire comic book series. To be the one who inherits it all, the one that makes it through. But hasn't Kirkman said that the comic book series and the TV series have nothing to do with each other? Well, he hadn't, I don't. He hasn't said that. He just said they were very similar. Um, but there's going to be deviations. Okay, this deviation is just it. I call bullshit. I call bull- look. They didn't I, even, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I stopped watching yeah. what a year and a half ago. Yeah, because yeah, of the same reason. Well, you haven't really missed bucket. anything. Okay, look. I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan as um as uh oh my god Negan Negan fucking brain farting, I love him as Negan, but they even stretched out his shit. He's not even special anymore. He's just kind of fucking like there to dialogue every once in a while, every like fourth or fifth episode, right? So, but I mean they're running out of ideas with the show. They they've they've even done it where they've had an entire season go go by and like it took like it covered like the span of a week, mm-hmm. you know, and. And, okay, look at the fact that, okay, this is only set like three years, maybe three years after the start of the show, and yet the baby Judith is, is like, she's the appropriate age, but yet Carl has aged like fucking eight years, you know, from a little kid to uh, a young adult. And that right there doesn't make fucking sense. It doesn't match up. Because, anyway, you don't go from this to fucking this in three years. You just But it's the same actor that played Carl, right? Same actor. So in three years he has done that. That's why it's bullshit. Because, it, <laughs> but it's not. If if he literally went from however high, yeah. in, instead of saying this, yeah. say like three foot to six foot, yeah, in three years, and it's the same actor, and you're well, calling it bullshit. Well, three years of show, but I mean, I'm sorry, three years of um, storyline show, but in actuality, the show's been on for eight fucking years. Okay. So he's okay. Aged eight that's years. okay. That's what I mean. But you didn't say that, so that's well, that's why I had that to watches, ask. Anyone that watches understands what I'm saying. So it, it it's just Frank Darabont was right to leave, and it sucks because I'm look. I'm going to keep watching The Walking Dead because it's still better than Fear the Walking Dead. But I I gave up watching both of those shows. I know, actually I don't worry. Yeah. I'm yeah. I watched like the first couple episodes of Fear the Walking Dead. I was out and done. I mean, look. There's only so much you can do with the zombie genre, and they're they're just milking The Walking Dead for all it's mm-hmm. worth. Yeah. And and like I watched the Negan episode where they where he finally shows up, and yeah, everybody's talking about Glenn and oh my god, Glenn, and, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, right, whatever. And then like and, and then like three episodes, four episodes into it, they're still doing nothing. Oh like, yeah. Carol finds her home. The white picket fence home. Rick is, you know, dealing with Negan, and he's got to drive his fucking motor home to wherever he's got to drive it yeah. to, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Why didn't he just run Negan over? over? I, I just, dude, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. You know, this is the highest rated show on cable, and 
you know, yet they don't want to put enough money to it. They don't want to write anything better. What the fuck are they doing? Exactly. That's exactly what they're doing. They don't want, they don't care enough anymore to they just want to milk it for as much profit as possible and they want to continue to to fuck everybody over cuz Darabont's not the only one that's have that's had problems with with AMC. Yeah. Um there's plenty of other creators out there that have had problems with AMC and have left AMC and and left and left everybody in the lurch with their programs and Darabont is just one of the many. Yeah. You know, and it's all they're doing is they see money. They don't care about the content. They don't care about what the show is all about. They don't care about spending more money to make it better or to pay the writers to do a better job or whatever. Yeah. You know, they want, they want as little. Basically, what they do, what they would rather do, is just hire actors and do a reality show. Yeah, you know, and then from there, um, not have to pay anybody for this fake reality show, Walking Dead type of thing, which would have probably worked out better for them. Yeah, I look, and the show's still watchable. It's it's still absolutely watchable. It's just it's not enough. It's not good enough. That's not good enough. How good the show used to be, even up through what the first five seasons. It, maybe even six, but not not anymore. Seventh and eighth so far. You're not the 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 death of Glenn and Abraham was the last good episode in my opinion. Yeah, and that's it. I, I after that I and there's just little moments here and there, but otherwise overall, do something, do something. But they're, don't, they're but, not going to. But don't don't fucking well, and they're going to pay for it because the ratings are slowly getting lower and lower and lower. You know, because um, a lot of people are getting tired and they're tuning out. And yeah, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. This, a lot of people believe that this show has been shit since season five. Yeah. So, you know? and, and, I, and I'm, I can't, I, yeah. I don't know enough about it. I watched a little bit of season one and two, and then Joe wanted me to watch the rest of them. And I'm like, I'm not into this stuff. This is <laughs> not, this, I don't yeah. find this, um, I, I don't find this compelling. Yeah, if it's you know? yeah, if it ain't your thing, it ain't your thing. I I don't I'm not gonna I'm not I don't push things on people. So yeah, and and you wanted me to try it, and I tried it. I tried it for two seasons, and it was just like fuck it, I'm done but with you, this shit. You liked the the Darabont directed um in, uh, pilot though, didn't you? Yeah, I I love the the Darabont yeah. stuff. You know, I I watched, I, I I literally sat and watched whatever like first full season or whatever. Yeah, you know, he gets under the tank and all this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I watched parts of the second. In fact, I watched. I think I watched most of the second season. Where they're on the farm? No, we're still in the uh, in the city. Oh, then that's the first season, yeah. Well, there's only however many episodes. First season's only six episodes. Yeah, I watched all six episodes, and then yeah, then where wherever after that. But again, I I, I committed myself to watching the first the first six episodes. Yeah, because I can't really call that a season. And then and then other episodes, you know, interspersed between. Yeah, fine, you know, and I, and I was fine with that because it was good stuff. Now it's just like bleh. No, it's 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 paper thin, you know. Yeah. It it's so anyway. Yeah, I'm not I'm not interested in watching this stuff, you know. Um, like Supernatural is on its thirteenth season or twelfth season. Thirteen. Yeah, thirteenth season. And does it have problems? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, it does. But not every episode sucks. No. Not every episode um, does things to 
kill off characters for no reason whatsoever. No, they did that in the first five seasons. They kept killing off people for no fucking good reason. No, they kill them off for a good reason. There's reasons why they kill them off because they come back in later seasons, and there's reasons for them coming back and for them to be dead. But, again, there's there's a lot of weak storylines in there as well. Oh, yeah. The whole um, um, the Serpentine season. Right, but I don't want to get into it. Yeah. It'll just <laughs> be nebulous at best, yeah, yeah. you know. And but other than that, I mean, what's really good about Supernatural is the core cast, Sam and Dean, and and a couple of other people that that you know they they revolve and in and out. Sense of humor, man. I, I love the sense of humor that it has. Exactly, and they've kept pretty much the same people on board for these thirteen years. Yeah, you know, and that's what makes it that to me. That's what makes it relatively good. Not a big fan of. Season 12. Um, Where the mom comes back? Yeah, not a big fan of that one, especially near the end. And uh, I haven't watched I haven't watched the, the season 13 yet. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I, I took a break, um, but I'm on season 12. I think I'm like 10 episodes into it. And so, yeah, I decided to take a break and start catching up on other shit. So, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll finish it off, you know, and then go right. from there. But yeah, you know what? I... I, I don't hate the show. I just think that uh, they are stretching some of the ideas for a little too, too long. All right. Oh, another angel. Oh, there's. Oh, wait, wait. God had a sister. Oh, okay. So that's another season storyline right there. Mm. <laughs> and then, or you know, oh yeah, I forgot. Oh yeah, there's this other guy God locked up, and then uh, now that's another season right there. So, um, but it, regardless, the show still seems to know how to have a good time most of the time. So yep, it's fine. Yeah. Anyway, um. All right, so, yeah, that's all I got, dude. Walking Dead, man. I, they, fuck you guys. <laughs> fuck you, AMC. So, you know. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like I said, eventually soon I'll talk about Black Mirror. I might do it next week. I'm not sure. But one way or another, our flicks of the week will be heard. Yep. All right? All right. All right, so that's it. That's all I got. So let's flick off. All right. Fuck off. Flick off. Flick off. Bye. <laughs>